Hi, everybody. This is Rebecca. Um, I wanted to give you um, a trigger warning for this episode. Uh, We are taking a step away from doing our normal paranormal experiences and talking about uh, not so strange tales of survivorship. These stories deal with um, trauma, either being emotional, uh, sexual, or otherwise. Um, If this is not for you, then please skip this episode. Um, We don't want you to be upset or triggered in any way. Um, And uh, next episode, we will be resuming our normal, uh, regularly scheduled comedy paranormal show. Um, If you're still here, thank you so much for listening and uh, on with the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome to I Have a Strange Story Podcast. <laughs> you said I. I. Yes. Uh, um, so this is the podcast where two sisters tell people's strange and paranormal experiences, except for today. Mm-hmm. It's a different show. Yeah. New show, new me. <laughs> it's... <laughs> This is a temporary show. It's a, what's another word for it? Um, Not all the time, just occasional special. It's a, a special. special. Okay, yeah, it's a special, it's a special. show. Mm-hmm. Um, so today is a special show where we won't be talking about anything paranormal, but we will be talking about people's stories of um, surviving abusive relationships. Are not so strange stories of survivalship. Yeah. Yeah. And so this started about a year ago. Yeah, we we did it one Mm -hmm. time a year ago. Mm -hmm. And we did it because I had come out of a pretty abusive relationship and we wanted to use the show as a platform to share those stories, to make it, um, I guess, to help people understand how people could get into abusive relationships, how difficult they are to get out of. Um, and just shed some light on it and help people know that they aren't alone. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to do it again. People had asked about it. Some people had stories that they wanted us to share. And so ooh, right now is a better time than ever because <laughs> it's a year later. One year later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uno año mas. One year more? I don't know. That's what I said. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We also practice our Espanol on this show. I try. And we try, but yeah. I'm just so awful at it. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure if you had to speak it more often, you would probably be way better, but you don't. So there you go. Yeah. So that's it. So that's it. Um, so did you, you didn't have announcements, right? Uh, I don't, I don't have any announcements. Yeah. I think that we were going to start with me kind of giving, I was going to do like a recap or an update about myself. Yeah, let's hear about that. In case anybody cares to hear. (laughs) Um, so just to recap, this is Lindsay. I, about, um, well, Okay, that's awkward. Okay, so I came out of a a pretty abusive relationship that I was in for 13 years. It was emotional abuse. It was financial abuse. 
Um, and so I'd been in the relationship for about 13 years. I was married to this person who just took a lot of advantage of me. And so whenever I tell people about that, they're often very surprised and they say things like, but you're so strong and you're so outspoken and it just doesn't seem like that could happen to you. You must have been a different person. And one of the first things I have to talk about is that this could happen to anybody. It can happen to people who are strong, people who are not strong. Um, It's not reserved for special people who can be abused. Anybody can be abused and anybody can fall into what I fell into. So I just want to clarify that. There's not uh, just people out there that are, um, this is their their thing. They don't, you know, this, this, that is called victim blaming. Yeah. It's not the person's fault who is going through this. It is the, the abuser. Yeah. They shouldn't be like this. Yeah. There's a lot of grooming that happens for victims. And so, um, and that's kind of where mine started. Whenever I'd met this person, we started out um, absolutely in love, head over heels, spent all of our time together. It's referred to as a whirlwind relationship. And this is where the person, um, he got to know everything about me. And he started to reflect to me what he identified I needed in a partner. So it, it's an all an act from the very beginning. It's all a game. None of it is real. And the people will start to act the way that they, you know, they know that what you need. And so that's exactly what he did. He moved in very quickly. And a lot of times when in a whirlwind relationship, the person moves in or they get married very quickly. So those are always kind of red flags for you to look out for. Um, And it's moving forward. I was very reserved when I started dating other people. I wouldn't talk a lot about myself. I was very quiet. I was very shy. Um, And I probably came off pretty boring because I was so reluctant to talk about myself because I was terrified that the person would learn about me and then use it against me again. Um, And so that's how it started. And everything kind of built up slowly. Um, And a lot of times these people, not only are they presenting to you what you want, but they're presenting to the outside a, a a person and a relationship that is just amazing and what a great person they are. They're often very charismatic people. People love them. They wouldn't expect them to do anything awful. Um, And some great examples are like whenever we first started dating, he had a couple of surprise birthday parties for me that he coordinated, organized, invited people, you know, got kegs, all those types of things. And then as the years went by, he started to tell me that my birthday didn't matter and there was no point in celebrating it. And in fact, he, he was in a band and he started scheduling like, um, shows where he would go play on my birthday and wouldn't celebrate with me. Um, and in fact would tell me like, I would say, all I want is like to go out to eat to a a restaurant for my birthday. And he'd be like, that's just too much work. So just, you know, little things like that started out real big and then slowly I didn't matter. Um, And then he would have unexplicable anger and rage towards me about certain things. Um, I wouldn't know whenever I had done something wrong. And this this is a grooming tactic that a lot of abusive people use. It keeps you on your toes and it starts to break you down because you never know when you have or have not done something wrong. Um, And then... 
he started to refuse to pay towards the household whatsoever. Um, wouldn't pay for utilities, wouldn't pay for rent, always made excuses about why he couldn't. Um, but this is another way that he exhibited how great he was to everyone else. I don't think he told anybody that he didn't pay for anything, um, but he helped pay for rent for practice space for his band. Didn't pay me money for rent. Keep that in mind. Um, if we went out, he would buy everybody drinks. If we went out to dinner with people, he would buy everybody dinner. And so people had this idea of him, of how great he was and what a giving person he was. Um, and then I could never do anything like that because I was always fucking broke as a fucking joke because I was paying for everything. Mm. Um, and so it, it's very weird. I think one of the last things that he did that I thought was so fucking weird is, I don't know if you remember this, it rained or not rained, it snowed at one point and he went on my back deck and he wrote, I heart Lindsay in the snow. And then he took a picture of it and he posted it on Facebook and people, people were commenting about like how sweet it was. And that's amazing. And I remember being like, why the fuck did you do that? <laughs> I was like, you don't give a fuck about me. Like, right. why, why do you, but I remember also being very confused. Cause I was like, maybe he really does love me and he's letting everybody know. And that should really mean something to me. So it's kind of like a mind fuck. Um, I think at the, at the last show I talked about how I wasn't allowed to talk in the morning. I wasn't allowed to talk when I got home from work. If I did, I would just piss him off and he'd yell at me because I was overwhelming for him. Um, I wasn't allowed to do anything after work. All I could really do is go to the grocery store. And it got to the point that if I was at the grocery store for more than 30 minutes, I was questioned about where I was and what I had spent money on. Um, he cheated on me several times. I don't think I was really aware of it. Um for several of the times, I wasn't aware of it. But as I got older and I kind of pieced things together, I was like, well, that makes sense. Um, I'm pretty sure he cheated on me twice physically with other people. One was with a neighbor before she moved. Um, <laughs> and then also he had an emotional affair with another woman. Um, and then he used to get nude pictures from one of his old best friends from high school who I would always tell him that I was uncomfortable with their relationship. And he was basically like, eat a dick. I don't fucking care. She's my friend and it's going to be that way. And I was like, but you have nude pictures of her. <laughs> like, you know, it was just, yeah, it's yeah. awful. Um, and oftentimes these people will deny your feelings. They deny their actions. So if you say, hey, when you did this, it made me feel this way. They'll say, no, it didn't. Just fucking outright deny how you felt. If you said, Hey, um, you know, whenever you did this, it made me feel this way. And they'd be like, I didn't do that. And it's, it makes you feel crazy. And that's a part of what we refer to as gaslighting, um, where they deny and act like things hasn't hap haven't happened. And it's really a tactic to make you feel crazy, to make you constantly question everything and to basically, um, invalidate what you're feeling and what you're going through. And that keeps them in control. So that's um, exactly what he had done to me. Um, I got to the point where I spent every weekend alone. He refused to do anything with me unless it was a benefit to him. So he would always go to other people's, you know, um, shows because he was in a band. So he'd go to other, go see other bands. Um, and eventually I just refused to go because I was so fucking sick of it. Um, but it was only for his benefit. And then the other thing to keep in mind is people like this, they will start a smear campaign about you before and after your relationship. 
And I started to realize that whenever I would go out with him um, to an event, I, I always felt like people didn't really like me. It always felt kind of weird. And I would say like, hey, like, I feel like I've have I done something because they're acting kind of weird. And he'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. They like you. Um, and then after we broke up, I lost everybody that we both had connections with. They all chose him. And it's because of what I found out later. He told everybody there was one person who came to me and was like, Hey, I figured out on my own that he's fucking crazy. And he said some really awful things about you. And he was telling everybody these awful things. And they were like, and I don't think these things were true. And I never found out what they were. Um, cause I didn't want to know by that time I had learned that, um, I had to learn to be comfortable with the fact that nobody was going to ever know my story. None of the people that I knew for all these years were going to know my story and they may not believe it either. So I had to learn to let all those people who had been in my life for 13 years, they were out of my life. I had to completely rebuild all my friendships. And then I had to cope with the fact that he'd made up all these fucking lies. I have no idea what he said about me, but they must, they were pretty awful because not there were two or three people who reached out to me. Um, and out of, you know, a lot of people, nobody else ever reached out to me again. Um, and the last thing he did was he would always talk about how much he loved the animals that we had and how, um, what a great, you know, owner he was and how much he cared about them. And when it came time to splitting up, he did not give a fuck about those animals, didn't ask for them. He only used them as a pawn against me to make me upset. Um, but he deserted every single one of the animals, but he never paid for any of them anyways. And he had no intention of paying for them. Um, so now what it has come to for me, it's, it's about, I mean, I guess it's almost two years later, isn't it? Yeah. Cause I think that we split in June. Mm -hmm. It's and, February. So yeah. we're coming up on two years. Um, so basically this is what I've learned. I had to lose everybody who we both knew and I had to be at peace with that. It's fucking hard to say, be at peace with that. It took some quite a time to be okay with it. Um, I had to sell my home. I had to sell everything that I had worked towards both of the homes that I owned, I had bought and I had paid for by myself. Um, but because of the lack of his, support and because of what he put me through during the divorce, I had to sell the home, um, that I'd worked years, you know, to get, to pull out my equity, to pay off all my debt. So I didn't go bankrupt. Um, I have to live with the, the fact that people don't know my side of the story and probably a lot of people hate me. Um, I had to completely relearn to trust people I was at a point where I always question uh, what motivates other people. And um, it's very confusing to be in relationships sometimes because um, you don't know what to believe. And you always are very scared that you're just going to be taking it, taken advantage of again. However, there is for me, there's been some great experiences with new relationships and, um, there are people who you can learn from and trust and you can definitely love again. Um, it takes time and it takes somebody who's really willing to work with you and to help you. And 
opening up about these types of relationships or experiences you've had to that person can be very helpful for them to understand maybe why you react some of the ways that you do sometimes. Um, so it's important for both people to kind of be educated about, I have to know why I react and why I feel certain ways. And then I have to always communicate that, um, to the person that I'm with. So I don't know. I guess that's where I am. That's my recap. I don't, (laughs) um, the only other thing is I think that I can say that I'm a happy person now. Um, and I guess I do a few things that y'all probably never knew me to do. I used to say that I'd rather starve myself than work out. And now I work (laughs) out five days a week. Like, uh, yeah, I can't think of what else that is really that different. I mean, I was talking to you earlier and I felt like I'm the same person, but you've said that you don't think I'm the same person. I mean, I just don't see what's changed. I subjectively, I can, I can absolutely see what has changed. You've, you have, um, made some amazing new friendships. You Mm -hmm. have out of, people that you you've lost you have you've gained friendships that you probably didn't know that you had and I think that you've made some of the best friends ever like you've you've met some extremely supportive and kind people that are always going to be on your side um the whole thing about you you know working out and becoming I mean you're stronger physically you're stronger emotionally Um, you, there were things that you were, like you said, you were conditioned to, um, to think that's what I want, but it wasn't what you wanted. It was what the other person wanted. And you're able to see, you are, you were able to see that you have come into your own person. You've become a different, you have become the person that you were supposed to be. You know, you have become the person that is not stifled, that thinks for herself, that does what feels good to yourself. You've, and it's kind of like you're reliving your 20s in a way, kind of that, that time that you have lost where you can go out and do things, where you can like things, where you can have an opinion about something and not have it squashed. So that's kind of what I mean is like, Oh, I guess you, you are used to a different see that person. a lot. Yeah, I forgot about that. I, I, I couldn't talk about anything without being attacked for what I was talking about. There were so many times where it it was like, and I I'm gonna just outright say it because it's it is what it is. But mm-hmm. because this is what happens, you make excuses. Yeah, you make excuses for this person's behavior, and instead of having them own it it's oh well they can't talk to me in the morning because they haven't had their coffee they're you know it's this caffeine thing that makes them a better person it's not him it's because he hasn't had this supplement in his life and that's not it it wasn't it at all it was just he was a fucking asshole yeah. Who does that? fucking mean. Who does that? Yeah. Yeah. And then the thing... Well, but then eventually it wasn't the caffeine anymore. And then right. it escalated into something else. Right. I think I was telling somebody I couldn't... Whenever I got ready in the morning, I couldn't even stand at the bathroom counter to brush my teeth. Mm-hmm. I had to back away from the bathroom counter because if I was in his way mm-hmm. or if I looked at him, like, while, then I was in huge trouble. 
Yeah. You know, like he was so mad at me because I'd looked at him or yeah. because I happened to be standing in front of my sink and he needed to be in front of my sink. And how dare I not know that I had to get out of the way? Like, yeah. I mean, you told me things, too, about just weird revelations that like you got in trouble for not eating leftover food. Oh, yeah. All the time. And I, I think that I just, I, like, my mind was blown because of that, because that makes absolutely <laughs> no fucking sense. Like, I mean, I was just told it's because I was a wasteful, like, selfish person. Yeah. For not eating leftovers. And right. I was like, fuck. But I think I hated eating leftovers. Now I always eat them, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. <laughs> but I think I was just so upset that I was, everything, I mean, what I fucking ate was controlled by somebody. Yeah, yeah. And I think when I talk about freedom, like one of the freedoms that I love so much is that number, like I get to go work out every day and I fucking love it. Mm -hmm. The other thing that was such a revelation to me is one day after my workout, there was a farmer's market and I got to stop and go to the farmer's market and I didn't have to answer to anybody when I got home. Yeah. And I, I know that's so tiny, but it was like such an amazing experience. Yeah. Oh, man, I didn't think I was going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's it's a good revelation to have that, you know, this is, um, this just shows that you did change, Lindsay. It really does. Yeah. It's, you, you can recognize these little freedoms that you probably thought either was, you were never going to have or somewhere in the back of your mind, you were like, He'll change. Oh, yeah. You know, he'll get better. One day he'll realize what he's doing to me, and he, he yeah. won't be an, an asshole anymore. Yeah, and there's the constant wish and hope that the person is going to be a good person and that they're going to change. And it's very um, common also to to make excuses and to hide the abuse to everybody else. And I don't, I don't quite know the science behind why people do that, but um, the core relation in these relationships is that the person who's being abused always hides it, yeah. where we are embarrassed, um, and a lot of us don't want to, it's hard to face, it's hard to face that the way that we're being treated. Well, um, he's, they've, they've told you, in a sense, this is what you deserve. Yeah, you don't deserve any absolutely. better, and I'm the best thing for you, and you're not going to get oh, yeah. anything that's better. I think I'll stop after this, and I'll go into the story that was sent to us. But yeah. I think one of the main things that he um, used to say to me was that nobody else would ever want to be with me, and that people who acted interested in me were only going to be interested in me so that they could use me um, for sex, and then they would be done with me. Mm. And so that's, that's what he told me my worth was and that I was lucky that I had found a man like him who would actually want to share something with me, basically. Wow. So, um, my heart goes out to his new girlfriend <laughs> and, um, yeah. honestly, if she ever wants to talk, I'm here for her. Yeah. Um, Anyways, okay. So I'm going to share a story from one of our listeners who sent in their story. They would like to remain anonymous. 
And, you know, we haven't said it already, but um, this maybe this is going to be a difficult show maybe to listen to with some of the subjects. And I'm going to try not to go into a lot of detail, mm-hmm. um, but just enough so that everybody understands. So this was sent to us, like I said, by a listener, and she's telling us about her um, survival of abuse from her stepfather. And she wants to preface with that her mother... Um, was unaware of the abuse that she suffered as a child and that her mother is completely blameless in what happened to her. Um, so she survived um, a lot of abuse, a lot of grooming, um, which resulted ultimately in her being pregnant by the time she was 13. Um, so her biological father left whenever she was four years old and her sister was about one year old. Her mother tried to keep them afloat. She had her own business and then she met a man who she married quickly after she met him and he took the kids under his wing, which I'm sure everybody just thought he was an amazing man, uh, for doing that. Um, her mother's business was really thriving at this point. And they were left with him a lot because her mother was always working. Um, And she says that she recalls red flags at this point. Of course, as a child, she didn't realize it. He always wanted her to be around him. And he would joke that he was going to marry her. And she would always laugh because she was four years old. And she would say, like, oh, that's silly. Like, you can't marry me. I'm only four. Um. She one thing she did enjoy about this man being in her life was she liked spending time with her new uncles. Um, Her uncles were um, very kind. She would spend time with them. They would make tortillas and then they would listen to their scary stories. So that's a good warm memory that she has um, to all of this. So then a few years later, at age seven, things started to change And the attention that she was getting from her stepfather became a little more uncomfortable for her. Um, Her mother was pregnant by him, you know, with, with her brother and he would talk to her um, that he wanted to see her, the seven year old, the way that he saw her mother. And I'm, I'm imagining that this is probably sexual in nature. Um, And as a seven year old, she would explain that this was wrong And at this point, he started to sexually abuse her. Um, And then he would make her feel bad if she didn't act like she liked what had happened between them or what he had done to her. Not long after that, they moved west to be closer to her mother's family. And she started to plan her escape from from the family. And she was about 9 to 10 years old at this time. Um, They didn't go to a public school since her mother was so busy Um, they were always at home and they were getting homeschooled allegedly by her stepfather. And she assumed since her mom was gone the whole time, her mom just thought that that's what was happening. But what he was actually doing was he was showing her how to be a mother to her, her baby brother and, um, how to serve him as a husband. So, ugh. From the outside, everyone else thought that he was a really great man. 
and he would fawn all over her mother whenever they were in public, and they just looked like a very happy couple. Um, when her mother was home, he would find a way to get her out of the house to be alone with her, which she really fucking hated. And then physical abuse started whenever she was in middle school. She was going through puberty, and she really started to fight back whenever she didn't want to do something uh, that he wanted her to do. And eventually it escalated and he hit her with a belt in the face when she refused to participate and it left a a bruise on her eye. She later had to make an excuse to her mother that she had run into a bookshelf in her bedroom. And she thinks that this is when her mother started to realize that something was going on. Um, And she says that was the year that her life changed. She was about 12 years old. And at this point, the abuse turned into rape. She didn't know that it was rape at the time. Um, she had been groomed for so long to participate in what he had done to her that she thought it was right. She began to... Um, she didn't consider how in her sex education class they said that this type of behavior was wrong. She didn't consider how she was supposed to tell someone... She just wanted to shut the world out and disappear. She never wanted to be seen again. And she says that she remembers that she knew when she was pregnant. She remembers the look on his face when he figured it out. And he told her about his plan to take her to Mexico and that he would marry her. And all of this would be over soon. Um, And she says that she just remembers crying at night. Praying to somebody to help her and to get rid of the baby. Um, She said that she went on a school field trip. And she had to um, hide the baby bump that she had whenever they were in the communal shower. And that's where her story ends. Sorry, that's a really hard story to read. I mean, everybody's stories are hard. And I'm just so sorry that you went through all that. Yeah, me too. Um, I think there's some parallels in the type of man that he was and how it sounds like it was a whirlwind relationship with the mother. Yeah. And the same thing where he projected what a great guy he was. And unfortunately, men get a, a good, you know, get a pass for being like good to kids. Then all of a sudden they're fucking saints and yeah. everybody loves them. Um, yeah. Like that's supposed to like we yeah. just expect men to be shitty fathers. Yeah. And he's taking on this huge responsibility taking right. care of these kids like oh he must be a good person i whew, <laughs> i'm sorry it's okay <laughs> that's hard um i'm so glad that you got out of that um but the i i wonder if um if her mom went through things to mm-hmm. kind of like your situation where outwardly to everybody he was this amazing person to her but Mm -hmm. behind her back or maybe even at home behind closed doors he was terrible i don't know i'm just making guesses yeah um it also says something about her sex education (laughs) you know um 
we don't address consent. We don't address abuse. All we address is our anatomical parts, how mm-hmm. we use them, and that's it. And I think, um, and I think that that's a problem. You know, you and I growing up, in a mm-hmm. way, we were kind of lucky because our parents followed us through every fucking grade and went into every one of our classrooms and talked to and talked to our peers about consent. Uh, yeah, our well, mom did. I, our, our dad did too. Did he? I don't mm-hmm. remember dad doing it. Yeah, he did. He may have done it for y'all's classes. I thought it was always mom did. Yeah, she did but that. Mm-hmm. We were lucky because our mother worked for the sexual assault prevention program. Prevention yes. program. Mm-hmm. And so, f- for whatever reason, in the United States, there's federal funding to not really teach kids about sex. There's right. federal funding that goes to the schools to not teach kids about sex. And so they just get the basic sex education Mm -hmm. and they leave out all these other things. Like you've said, they leave out consent, Mm -hmm. they leave out sexual abuse, they leave out, um, healthy sex. Like they leave all that shit out. And unless there's a concerned person in the school who reaches out to a planned parenthood or to a sexual assault prevention agency, and they let them come in under the radar yeah, And they'll present that they're teaching about something else, but they really will teach about all these other things. Mm-hmm. It's the only way you can go into the school. Right. So you've, you have to have your connections. You have to know people. And it's, it's a serious issue in the United States when it comes to um, teaching children about safe sex, mm-hmm. bad sex, mm-hmm. I mean, um, abuse, like everything. Rape. Yeah. I'm not saying that it would fix everything but it might in this situation just like she pointed out this that may have helped her yeah it may have been an opportunity to be like to justify what she was feeling was wrong and and yeah so thank you for sharing that story um i don't know what else to say that was yeah it was hard it was harder on you than it is on us (laughs) well Let's read another one. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, gosh, I might need a minute. Um, Okay. Well, I'll just get into it. So I'm going to talk to you all about my story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I uh, didn't want to talk about this last time because in a way, I felt like it was giving that person power. Mm -hmm. Um, But now I've, I've just kind of come to realize that he probably doesn't listen to this show. (laughs) (laughs) Odds are he doesn't. And, and that's fine. (laughs) Um, but also, um, it's stupid to think that that would give him, this would give him power because, because it's just going to highlight what a terrible person he was. And that's mm-hmm. not power. Um, so I'm just going to uh, go into a couple of things um, just to kind of explain our situation and shit. So this happened way back in 1998. Um, and I was 17 years old. So also, um, I hate to tell you guys all this, but I'm old. Um, <laughs> in case
case y'all thought from my girlishly voice that I was a very young person. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. So um, this all began in 1998. And uh, like I said, just to go into a couple of things, um, the internet was beginning to get pretty popular. And there were things called chat rooms. And there was um, uh, AIM or I, isn't that what it's called? AIM. AIM? Yeah, it's called AIM. Okay, I couldn't remember. (laughs) And um, I fucking loved the internet. I was on the computer as often as possible. We had Mm -hmm. one computer in our home. We had a long fucking like internet cord that you would trip over unless it was hidden by a rug or something. And it dial up you, we had dial up. So nobody (laughs) could call and talk to us whenever we were doing it. And if, and if we were really fucking pissed off at each other, we would pick up the phone and Uh screw everything up. Knock each other off. Yeah. And knock each other off. So yeah. So, um, I was obsessed with being on the internet. I got on as often as I could. I used to stay up like till one or two o'clock in the morning whenever I was on summer break just mm-hmm. to talk to people and shit. And that's where I met this person. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's funny because at, nowadays, online relationships are so common. You meet yeah. people online. You meet people on a fucking app. And it's still dangerous. You never know who you're going to get. But at this point, it was unheard of. You did not meet anybody. Everybody that you met was a predator. Nobody was going to be good. So I have a follow-up to this story after this uh, about that. So anyways, that's where I met this guy. Um, I met this guy. He said he was 19 years old, and he was a soldier in in Fort Hood. And Fort Hood is a military base. Um, It's probably about an hour and a half north of where we lived, maybe northwest. I can't remember. Um, And uh, we just started chatting, um, and eventually we decided that we were going to meet. And I said, let's meet at my work. Um, I worked at a veterinary clinic. Um, It was my first job, and part of my job was to, um, to go there on the weekends and walk the dogs that were boarding and take care of the pets. Um, and so I was like, hey, if you want to meet, let's come come to my work and you can help me walk dogs. And so he did. And he came and we met and we talked. And, um, and after that, um, we spent time together. I can't remember. It may have been a couple of hours or maybe just an hour in person. Um, and then he went home all the way back to Fort Hood, as far as I know. Um, and then the next day, Um, I invited him over to the house and he sat on the front porch and we talked and he told me that he told his, his buddies or his his commanding officer that he was going to go to see his girlfriend. So he was like, is that okay that I called you my girlfriend? And I knew immediately this was wrong. I knew it in my heart. I was like, yeah, this is way too fast. Um, but, but what can go wrong? Yeah, sure. I'm your girlfriend. And so that was the beginning of it. We didn't have, we didn't spend time together. We spent one hour maybe together and then decided that we were going to date. Um, 
So he told me everything that I ever wanted to hear. Like he was just constantly telling me that I'm, I was beautiful. I was everything that he ever wanted. I was his future. I was going to be his wife. We were going to be together forever. Whenever you're 17, whenever you're any age, this is exactly what you want to hear from somebody, you know, this is, I was like, this is it. This must be what a soulmate feels like. Um, so, um, so I was, I was in, even though I knew that it felt wrong. Um, our conversations were mostly about his ex-girlfriend, especially in the beginning. Um, he talked about her all the time, how he had been wronged by her, how she had cheated on him. Um, and it was a constant comparison between me and her to him, um, he talked a lot of shit about his her mom, too. Um, he even confided in me that one day he was so upset that um, he thought he was going to go steal some type of military-type equipment and blow up her house. Not a red flag to me. I was just like, you're a hurting man, and I need to fix you because that's what, you know... This is the, I'm the, I was that woman who is like, I'm going to change you. I'm going to make you better. And you're going to thank me for it. And everything is going to be, uh, perfect. So after that, like all of, all of my free time was spent with him. Um, and it started to drive a wedge between my family and my friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just like, as soon as I got off of work or out of school, I was on the phone with him. Um, he, uh, my, my best friend in high school was a guy. And I had been best friends for, with him for years. I, I dated him briefly, and we were like, meh, didn't work out. We were yeah. much better friends. Um, and, but he was, there was absolutely no threat with this guy. It was strictly a, a friendship. I was friends with all of his friends, which happened to be guys. And, but then there were also women in this group that I was friends with as well. Well, I wasn't allowed to be friends with him anymore because he was a guy. Um, so, but, but to me, it was okay in a sense because he was all that I wanted. I, and I thought that this was probably just the way that relationships worked. Um, I hadn't been in very many other ones. And um, the one that I had been, it was an on and off relationship um, where we lived in separate towns. So I never really got to know his friends. He didn't get to know mine. Um, he did know that I had, that my best friend was a guy, but there was never any question. There was never any question of loyalty or whatever. Um and, um, and yeah, so, <laughs> so this is kind of a turning point right here. Um, he and I spent a lot of time together. Um, we did everything together. We had a lot of fun for a while. Um, but at this one point he invited me to go to a party. He said, um, there's a party at the barracks or somewhere and, I'm probably going to be drinking. And I was like, okay. I mean, he was 19 and I was like, that, that doesn't make that's, that makes sense to me. You drink whenever you're in high school, right? Yeah. Like you go to parties and shit. 
He said, well, you know what? I just need to tell you something that I'm not 19. I'm actually 22. <laughs> oh. And at this point, I felt kind of the gravity of the situation. Things got more serious. In a way, um, they got more serious for me because I was like, wow, I must be really special for this older man to be, um, f- you know, paying attention to me and um, be interested in me. Um But then I also knew, like, okay, 19 is one year over the legal legal age of, you know, not being statutory rape or whatever. Yeah. Um, 22 is far over the age. Yeah. Um, I knew there was a big risk of getting in trouble with my parents, with getting in trouble with the law, and with getting in trouble with the military. Um, And then he just wanted me to lie about everything. He made up these elaborate lies to tell my parents, to tell my families, to tell my family, to tell my my friends so that he wouldn't get in trouble. It was all to protect him because he could be kicked out of the military for this. He could go to jail for this. Yeah. And he took that power away from me in a sense where it was just like, no, this is what you're going to do. We're not going to get in trouble. And, you know, everything's going to be fine. We're going to get married eventually. So eventually none of this is going to matter. Um, but everything was done in secret kind of after that. Um, uh, and I just want to, I just want to preface this with like at 17 or at any age, but especially whenever you're underage, um, you don't know what a relationship it is. Yeah. You you get into a relationship because somebody is interested in you. And so that's what I thought this was. I had nothing to compare it to except for something that was long distance, where we talked on the phone a lot, and that was it. Um, one thing he said to me, <laughs> this is so sick now that I think about it, is he said he liked younger girls. He liked oh, to date geez. younger girls. He says because <laughs> he could mold them. He can conform them into what he wanted. Jesus Christ. I know. Red flag. Yeah. Didn't see it. Still thought I was pretty special. Um, and I think that he stopped trusting me after I knew this secret um, because he was getting more and more aggressive about um, checking in with me. So he, um, he would come over after school or after work he would look through my school things. He would look at my, I had a school planner that they give you at the beginning of the every year that has all the holidays and it has tests and shit. And, and I mean, I was, I, I was a doodler. And so I drew all over that thing. And if his name wasn't on everything in mine, he would get upset. Um, so I had to make sure that I wrote his name a thousand times, like in my planner and he would go back in and he would look at it and he'd make sure there was no other boys' names in my planner. Um, he would, um, I feel so weird talking to you about this. <laughs> Don't look. I no. I mean, I didn't know a lot of this. Well, cause I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. I had I, no idea. I didn't think that... I mean, that I fucking hated him. I fucking hated him. And was, he hated me. There was not one person that liked this guy. Yeah. To be honest, except for me. Um, he would uh, mark me with hickeys. 
that he wanted people to see so that they knew that I was his basically. Um, I, um, he, at this one point he found out that one of my classmates, um, started working with me. Um, and it was a man, it was a boy mm-hmm. and he wanted me to quit the job. And I was like, um, this is my, this was my first job. I was a vet technician. This is what, this is, this was my, launched my career in a sense. I always wanted to work with animals. I always wanted to be either a veterinarian or a veterinary technician. Um, and for him to tell me to quit my job because there was a, a boy that I went to school with that was going to be working with me, um, I put my foot down and told him no, um, which was a big risk. Um, and he just laid into me about all these what ifs. What if he touches me? What if he falls in love with me? What if he tries to kiss me? What if he asks me out on a date? What if, what if, what if all these what if hypothetical um, questions that ultimately I didn't have the correct answer for? That ultimately, um, if this dude was going to work with me, whatever situation we got into would be my fault because I decided to stay there and work at this job. Um, Somehow, I either said something right to assure him that nothing was going to happen or he just kept on bringing it up and eventually I, 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 I wouldn't talk about it anymore. I can't remember how, but I... I got him to stop asking about it because I wasn't going to quit this job. I loved it. Um, uh, but whenever I did say no, he would get upset. Um, he let me know how important it was for me to please him. Um, and if I was upset about something, if I cried, they meant nothing to him. Um, so on one hand, I felt trapped. I felt like... Um, because I was losing trust with my family and I had lost all of my friends that I had to be with them, that I had to, to stick through this almost to, to, um, almost to show everybody in a way that we were meant to be together Um, so it, I don't know where I was going with this. Um, I got a little emotional there and I don't know why it's been a very long time. Um, so another thing is that, uh, all I wanted was for him and my parents to get along. He, to me, he was a great person whenever he was telling me, how amazing I was whenever he was telling me everything that I wanted to hear and that I had never heard from, um, another person before besides probably my parents. <laughs> um, but my parents had noticed that shit was happening and they didn't know how old he was still. And, um, they decided to have a talk with us because they noticed my, our, our weird behavior. Um, I was sneaking out too to meet him. I was lying to them. Even even if I was going to go see a movie and we weren't going to see that movie, 
I would still lie to them about that. Like if 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 we went to go see or that may have even been the plan. Like we went to go see a movie and then he was like, we're not going to go do that. Um, so, so it was putting me in a hard situation, but, um, we had a, we had a conversation with my parents. I was not looking forward to it. Neither was he, but I was ready to stand my ground and defend him and be like, this is us. And you're just going to have to get used to it. And that's basically what I told my parents. Um, and he told them that this is our relationship. This is none of their business. He was going to take care of me. And then he fucking cried in front of them. And look, I am all like, if you if you were an emotional person and you cry, because I do the same thing. I cry whenever I get angry. I cry when I'm, I'm upset. I told my husband today, if we're going to watch The Lion King, I'm going to cry. Just the, <laughs> <laughs> like just the opening credits whenever the sunrise is coming up and they're like, uh-huh. It's a lion, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the whole circle of life song, like, I'm going to be boohooing. Um, but in this situation, it was just like he needed to be consoled and comforted because he was being confronted about this weird behavior that he's having with their daughter. And it was, now that I think about it, it was so pathetic. It was crocodile tears it was him just trying to get sympathy and just trying to show them how much i he cared about me and if it was going to be mean tears or fake tears or whatever he would do anything he just didn't want to get in trouble he talked a lot of shit he talked a lot of shit about my friends and family and whenever it came down to this he wanted to get out of it so bad it was really weird um, mom and mom saw right through those tears. I remember that. Oh yeah. I mean, she was like that goddamn mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways. So he's in the military. Um, he actually went to, uh, Korea for a month during our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't have any contact at all. Um, so I got his mailing address. He gave it to me. And I wrote him a letter every single day. And in fact, I started writing him before he left so that he would get them whenever he got there. And um, and he sent me a couple letters back. But he, whenever he came back, he just went on and on about how cool that was. He's like, nobody else has ever gotten that many letters before. And, you know, my superior officer was really impressed and he he would just went on and on about these letters that I sent him but I did it because I was going to miss him and I felt like um he was uh, hopefully he was going to miss me and I wanted to send him you know some comfort to let him know that I was thinking about him um around Christmas time he gave me a promise ring it's really ugly um (laughs) (laughs) and um, he was, you know, it was never a proposal. It was always like, I'm going to be there. There was never a, will you marry me or anything like that? It's really very cheesy. Um, But he was about to to get ready to leave the country again, and I can't remember if it was going to be for three months or six months. For some reason, I'm thinking it was six months. So my parents, like, bless their hearts. (laughs) 
They let me spend the whole day with him before he left. They did not approve of our relationship, but I think that they could see if they pushed it, some something shitty would happen. I think that they saw that he was fucking nutso and he would do something. Or I might do something rash. Who knows? Um, so he, they let us spend the whole entire day together. And that was, I, I can't even remember what we did. I think that I went to his, his room to help him pack and, and we hung out in Fort Hood and, and then he brought me back home and it was like really fucking late or something. And then he drove away. Um, he got into an accident that day. He got into an accident on the way there, um, he called me. I um, I wanted to go pick him up and help him. And my dad was like, you are not going alone. So he's like, I'm going to go with you. And so we went together. We picked him up. We got him back to Fort Hood or whatever. I can't even remember. Um, and then a couple of days later, he left. So, so this time he's really gone. Um, and we could contact each other. So he would call me as often as he could. And he was really upset that he wasn't getting these letters. And he started bringing up a lot of shit. He was like, you know, I don't understand. Last time I had a letter here waiting for me before I even left. Like, what's the deal? And it was like, you know, whenever I called you to come pick me up, you didn't get here very fast. Well, why didn't you get here as fast as you should have in his mind? These irrational things that were that were coming to the surface. And he was he was fucking pissed. He was mostly pissed off about those letters. And his conclusion was that I was cheating on him. That was it. I was in another relationship and um, and that I needed to prove to him that I was not cheating on him. And at this point, I was like, all you can do is trust me. I'm like, I, you can trust my word. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. And he's basically like, that's not good enough. You're going to have to prove it to me somehow. And I have absolutely no idea where any of this stemmed from. Um, and it seems like eventually things would start to calm down and we could have a normal conversation and things would be fine. But then right back again, he would bring up you know, you need to prove to me that you're not sleeping with somebody else. I just know it. Um, so I was like, I'll do anything. What do you want me to do? Tell me, how can I prove to you that I am not cheating on you? Yeah. And he's like, you're going to have to figure that out. And okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so I, I didn't know what to do. I started writing him letters every day. I was giving him updates. I was doing whatever I could. It still wasn't good enough. And then I decided the only thing that I could do is take a video camera around me all day to school, have it recording nonstop, and then send him the tapes. That was the only thing that I could think of that I could do. At this point, I was trying to get the equipment together. Um, And... um, he was just, he was, there was just nothing still at this point that I could do in the meantime to, to let him know, to, to prove that I wasn't cheating on him. Um, so things got really, um, tense and heated. Um, he was yelling at me. He was constantly calling me. He was screaming at me through the phone. 
he told me, look, I'm just going to let you know right, right here and now. I'm going to lay everything on the table. I am seeing somebody else. I need you to be honest with me and tell me right now, who are you fucking? And I was just like, nobody. There's nobody that I am seeing. And like, I was broken. I was, yeah. I was exhausted with these phone calls. I was exhausted with, with this mentality that somebody didn't trust me for no reason. I gave him yeah. absolutely no reason to not trust me. I've never, I had never been unfaithful. Um, and he said, well, you know what? I'm lying. This was a test. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he broke up with me still. And I was devastated and relieved at the same time. Yeah. Because I was, I was done. I remember, um, I th- I remember going into the bathroom, and I don't know why I went to the bathroom. I had my own bedroom. I don't know if I didn't have a lock on the door or something. I remember you going into the bathroom because I remember you coming out of there. Yeah, I went into the bathroom. Um, I remember I took off the ring. Mm-hmm. And, God, why do I get emotional about this? I think I just hard. I think I just want to pat myself on the back and be like, it's okay. You know, know, whenever you're a kid. Um, and I just sat down in the bathroom and I cried. I took off the ring and I just let it fall on the floor and I just cried. But I was, I was, like I said, I was relieved too, because I was just done with all this. And, um, but at this point I had no friends. All of my friends were gone. Um, and I had to earn the trust of my family. Um, I didn't hear from him for a while, but he, he started calling me back and tried to tell me, you know, this was a test. We were supposed to get back together. Um, you know, that he had talked to his friends and like, uh, he had figured out the way that he was treating me wasn't the best thing and that he could lose me. And he just expected me to be like, oh yeah. You know what? I'm I'm cool with this. And yeah. this was maybe one of the strongest moments in my life whenever I told him no. Yeah. Whenever um he he kept on he kept on calling me and telling me that we needed to get back together. He would call me before I went to school. He would call me after I went to, you know, whenever I came home. And then he started talking to my parents. And he started using our relationship as a weapon to hurt them. Yeah, he told them everything. He told them vile things about us. He t- he told I don't know exactly what he told my parents because they didn't tell me. Um, yeah. All I know is that my mom eventually told me that he said some awful things, some yeah. very hurtful things, um, especially to my dad, because my dad would take the phone calls. So. Even though we were over, it wasn't over. Um, he kept on calling and um, just making things difficult for me to continue my life. Um, and I think that eventually we we changed our phone number. <laughs> yeah. 
which we probably should have done first thing. Um, but I think that my parents too were trying to be respectful of, um, of me taking this on my own and, um, finishing things and, um, and letting me do what needed to be done for myself. So I appreciate that for them. Um, but I think that after those phone calls that he, that he, whenever he talked to my parents, that that was it, that we, uh, we, we changed our phone number. He could no, no longer contact us. And, um, and, um, a couple of months later, Oh, he, he broke up with me on Valentine's day, by the way, which doesn't really matter. I mean, I think it did whenever I was a kid, but yeah, you were into it. I think, huh? I said, I think you were into it. Well, they made it a big fucking deal. Like at school, like you were supposed to get like a carnation from people, you know, never got a carnation from anybody. (laughs) I neither did I. I, well, you know what? I take that back. I think that my friend bought, bought me one. Okay. So at this time I was able to move on. Um, a couple of months later, um, I started dating somebody else. And this is what I'm going to get into about what I first brought up about meeting somebody online. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did it again. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I met my next boyfriend online. Uh-huh. Um, to the dismay of my parents. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were so upset about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I met somebody my age. Uh-huh. Um, once again, we still, we lived in a different um town and I think that in my mind there was nobody in my school that I could have a relationship with yeah like I just thought that there was somebody else out there I was not into the people that we went to high school with um it was just you know and I am kind of a hopeless romantic like I've I've always been that type of person whenever I was younger of course to be like he's out there somewhere dreaming of me yeah So anyways, started a new relationship. Um, I had to gain my parents' trust again with this new guy, especially this guy that I met on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I There was a lot of um, honesty, much more honesty with this relationship. I am so surprised that my parents let me do anything after this, actually. <sighs> For real. Like, how they even let me on the internet again, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but so, um, I started this relationship with this man and we had a good relationship and, um, somehow my ex found out that I was in another relationship and he started sending me emails. Um, he started telling lies about this person that I was dating. Hmm. He was just like, I know who this person is. He's into drugs. He's going to get you into drugs. He's a, you know, he's a terrible person. You know, he, he's the only person in the world that could be good for me and that we belong together. Um, and at this point I had way more confidence. I went from this manipulative, terrible person. I was able to reflect on our relationship to see what was bad. I mean, I knew it was bad from the very beginning and I went for it. Um, and I was 
I, I fought back. I, um, I told him to leave me alone. I, at the time I was really into, um, Slipknot. And so like I sent him a Slipknot and Slipknot song and I was like, this is what you mean to me or whatever. It was, it was not a nice song. Um, I stood up for myself. I stood up for my new boyfriend. Um, and he harassed him. He, he was able to contact him through either messenger or an email and he would, and he would, you know, be an asshole to him. Um, eventually, um, that died down a little bit. I think that, um, everything, you know, I just stopped responding and that may have been the best thing. Yeah. Or I got a new email. Um, and I went about my life, but he still was creeping in. Um, he contacted somebody that I knew and was talking to her and was talking about how, you know, he just needed somebody, a friend. He needed somebody to be there for him. And, um, and also, can you relay this message? <sighs> and so she would come to me. She would tell me what he said. She would, she was totally like, you know, he's just a poor guy that needs somebody. And I just feel really bad for him. And I just, you know, I just think maybe you should be nicer to him. You know, she was completely on his side. Oh my she was, God. She was totally manipulated by him. And at this point, I just didn't want to have anything to do with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want, um, I, I didn't want to give him the satisfaction that I was even thinking about him. Um, she let me know that she thought she was considering dating him whenever he came back. And I said, look, I wouldn't recommend it, but you can do whatever you want. Like, I, I didn't want to give her... In, 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 in a way, I feel responsible for that because I could have the power and be an asshole and just be like, let me just lay it all on the table for you. But he had gotten into her mind and I couldn't change her mind. She'd only heard his story and she didn't have any... Um, she didn't care what my side of the story was, basically. So I was just like, he's yours. You can have him. I don't want him. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I stopped getting messages, um, finally, from her. Um, but a couple years later, <laughs> and whenever I mean couple, I mean like 10 years later, um, he contacted me again. Mm-hmm. He found me on um, some some kind of social media, either MySpace or Facebook, he would send me messages. And so I'd get those messages that were like, not from your friend where you had to go and search for them or whatever. And I, and I got that message from him and, um, he, he just sent this message of, of an apology. He said, you know, I, I just want to apologize for my behavior. I, you know, I feel like, um, you didn't deserve what I had done to you. I would just like to be friends. Um, you know, trying to be this repentful, kind person. And I didn't respond to him. In fact, I told my husband, who, by the way, was the second guy I met on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> who is now my husband. We've been together for a very long time. Um, yeah. I told my husband, I was like, look, dude, you know about him. He's contacted me again. I, I just want to be up front and tell you. I said, I'm not responding to him. Mm-hmm. This is his name. This is what his profile picture looks like. If you see that, then, you know, I just want to let you know. I'm not trying to hide anything from you. And my husband is just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, nothing really gets under his skin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I never contacted him, but I did read his messages. <laughs> yeah. I did read his messages. Um, and I shared them with all of my friends. And we all laughed. Uh, I, 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 I shared them to everybody that I knew that knew the situation and we just kind of laughed and, um, yeah, it was completely petty of me. Um, but you know, he told me all these personal things that he didn't have to tell me mm-hmm. that maybe he should not have trusted me with that information. There was no way we were getting back together. Yeah. Like, there's ever. no relationship there. Yeah. Shut up. There was no, yeah. Thank you for getting that. There was, <laughs> yeah, we weren't, um, yeah, there was nothing there. So I just let him keep on responding, telling me all this personal sad information, and I just kept laughing about it. And then, um, so at the time, I think um, my husband and I, we had one computer, and then he had a laptop, and he was going through his social media accounts. And I, he was just, swiping all these stupid messages that were like spam and whatever and i noticed he got a message from this guy Uh and i said hold on a second wait and i was like that's the guy i was telling you about and he's like okay and he was about to delete i'm like no you open that (laughs) (laughs) so he opened it he basically was like you and i need to meet in a dark alley and (laughs) We need to fight, and you took her away from me, and if it wasn't for you, oh. she'd be my wife and not yours. And at that point, um, I, I jumped on the social media site, and I, and I was like, I sent a message like, this guy's harassing my husband, he's harassing me, mm-hmm. and um, before I could respond to him, or maybe, I don't know if it got to him or not, uh-huh. but I sent him a message back. And I was like, you fucking crossed the line. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is my life. I don't want you in it. I, If I wanted you in my life, I would have allowed you in it. Yeah. And I said, I, I said all the horrible mean things that I wanted to say to him. Um, and I said, don't you dare fuck with my husband again. Like, yeah. And I don't know if he got that message or not because um, he was either blocked or they deleted his account. Um, but if he if he hears this, which he probably doesn't, um, you know, that's the message I want to send you. I hate, I hate you. <laughs> you're not, you're not supposed to be my life Yeah, and get over it, dude. Um, so yeah, so that's my story. Um, he's my only regret in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to kind of put this on a timeline, we only dated for six months. Oh my God. Yeah. All this condensed into six months. All this chaos. All of this ruin. All of this um, trust gone. Yeah. In no time. Yeah, that's crazy. I really thought it was like two years that y'all dated. Only six months. Oh, my Lord. God. Yeah. I know. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. So... 
that's my story. Um, taking the power away from you, dude. Um, wish, wish we had never met, honestly. I don't know. I, I don't think I would have... I think I would have been a fine and happy person without this in my life. Yeah. I don't believe everything happens for a reason. I don't. I'm not that type of person to be like, things are faded and whatever bullshit. I think that shit happens to you and it happens. And and it doesn't necessarily have to treat you a lesson. If I had never had this in my life, I would have been perfectly fine. Yeah. I feel like I still would have met the man that I was supposed to be with six months later because clearly I started dating my now husband mm-hmm. one month after we broke up. Yeah. So whatever. Anyways, that's my story. Um, I have one more thing to talk about too. This is okay. um, a listener story. Um, it's to the point, um, but it is something that is a sad story as well. And hopefully she is in a better place now. Um, and I'm just going to read it. Um, it's very short, like I said. So this story says, my ex-husband and his new girlfriend tried to set my house on fire with oh me in it. Jesus Christ. Six months after the divorce was final. Oh he got my half my life savings because he didn't work through throughout the marriage. Uh-huh. He still doesn't have a job and has been living off the money he got from me. He was a toxic narcissist, and the best thing I've ever done is divorce him. Um, he also says, oh, and they got away with it. And the judge wouldn't grant me a restraining order without a hearing where um, I'd have to face him in court, which was awful. Yeah. Um, she says, uh, leaving him was the hardest thing. And I had all the things. She said, a successful career, a strong family, supportive friends, no kids. Um, and she hopes that, uh, she can help someone in a similar situation find the courage to leave. Yeah. Yeah. She sounds like me. She does sound like you. It It was the same thing with me. Very similar, except your house didn't get caught on fire. Mm -mm. This is, this is, um... He should have gone to jail. Yeah. He and her should have gone to jail. And they, the courts, the system makes it so hard for women. It does. I mean, even whenever I was going through what I went through and I wanted to get some type of restraining order against him, um, mm-hmm. it nobody would grant it. Nobody would do it. They were like, well, he hasn't physically hit you. Um, <laughs> but my fear of him was very real. Yes. Um, and he had left my windows unlocked and took my weapon away. So right. I had I had a good reason to be fearful of him. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, th- nobody would help me with that. There is... Um, it's, it is a reactive type of thing instead of a proactive thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not the way it should be. If you feel in danger by somebody you have you should have the right to protect yourself and instead you have to take matters into your own hands yeah and you did yeah mm-hmm. Fuck. wow yeah thank you for sharing um everybody yeah. mm-hmm. and i know that was hard for you rebecca thank you it, i learned I don't know. a lot i didn't know I, a lot of it <laughs> um i figured I was going to take this to the grave. And I don't know why I thought that. I I think because um, 
it's kind of the same situation about looking into abuse as, oh, well, he didn't hit you. Oh, yeah, that's what everybody always says. Uh-huh. Yeah. There was no physical abuse, so how could you call it abuse? Right. And c- clearly this person was was wrong. Yeah. He was wrong to do that to me. He's... um, And... um, And it was emotional. It... It fucked up with, you know, some of the things that I did in my current relationship. And whenever I mean that, it's it was a trust issue yeah, for a while. And it was the same thing, like, what is your motive? Yeah. Um, are you telling me the whole truth? Do I need to prove something to you? Yeah. And my husband is super fucking easygoing. You know, there's nothing, like I said, that really rattles him. Um, and I still to this day have, um, a conversation in my mind about things, about how I have to calm down. Yeah. That he's not ever going to treat me like this. He never has. There was, you know, so why do I have to worry about this? People who go through those types of relationships, we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. And everything is always kind of unbelievable. Like even Mm with the the current person that I'm with, um, although he's, he's great and he's supportive and it's Mm -hmm. the, it's a type of support. Oh no, it's going to make me cry. (laughs) It's a type (laughs) of support that I've never had or understood. Um, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for him to take back what he said, or I'm waiting for him to take back a conversation we had like, yeah. And it, it, it doesn't matter that I know that that's not, I know that's not who he is. Right. But um, it's just so much trauma wrapped up with it. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that that person who I was with, well, that's not who he was for a while either. The other right. shoe didn't drop with him, but then all of a sudden the other shoe started dropping and it was such a mind fuck. And you're so terrified that the other person, the other shoe is going to drop. And it's it's just hard to get past it. It's hard to get past it and then think like, Ugh. in your case, I don't want to spend 13 more years of this. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go, th- I don't want to wait. I don't want to say, you know, I should have seen the signs and, yeah. and I should have reacted on them. Um, we had a conversation, I think, about kind of like this before we started, but... Um, but yeah, it's it is it's a trust. It's it's a trust issue, and it's not on the other person, for the most part. It's it's what that other person, what your ex did to condition you. Right. Yeah. It's just it's I don't know. It 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 takes I don't know how long it takes to get over it, but it may follow you your whole life. I don't know. I I can't imagine that it doesn't follow you your whole life. I think that if, you know, I think that you can, especially in my situation, this happened such a long time ago. Yeah. Um this was only a 6-month relationship. If you look if you look at um if you take a um a wide lens look at this. This was 6 months of my life whenever I was very young. It's a fucking blip. Yeah. But it still caused this trauma. Exactly. Um, and it still makes me go crazy sometimes. Yeah. Um, 
uh, one thing that I can say about that is, um, you know, sometimes my husband has to be a very patient person. <laughs> yeah. And, and I appreciate that. Um, I think that it says a lot about the other people who know what you've been through. Um, and they can say, you know, I, I know, I know why you're feeling this way and I see you. Yeah. But you can, you can put your whole trust in me. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. But I mean, I've had, I've had amazing, um, an amazing relationship with my husband. We've been through so much together. Yeah. So things, things can get better. What a great episode. <laughs> We're both crying. <laughs> Why don't we do this more often? I don't know. Don't you think once a year is not enough? <laughs> so I think, I mean, just to remind everybody, that, I mean, the point of us doing this is to let um, other people who have gone through these experiences, had something similar happen, or if they're going through it right now, that they're not alone and that... Um, we believe you. Yeah. You need to have somebody that believes you, and we do. We believe in your paranormal stories, and we believe in your trauma. And we believe even paranormal stories can cause trauma. (laughs) Yeah. And we have both had paranormal experiences, and we've had trauma. We sure have. So we're all just alike. Yeah. We're all alike in this world. Um, But your stories, whether paranormal or about what you've gone through, um, what you've survived are very important. And um, we are happy to talk about them. And we appreciate the stories that were sent to us today for us to to share, because um, y'all are important too. Yeah, so thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you for your courage. Mm-hmm. I know that it's not easy listening back to this. It's not. It's, it may be hard for you. That's what I've heard from yeah. a lot of people is it was difficult. I usually don't listen to the episode whenever we do it. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. But if if anybody would like us to read um, any paranormal stories, please send them to I Have a Strange Story. Wait, at gmail.com? No, I Have a Strange Holy Story fuck. podcast at gmail.com, right? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Send those to us and we'll be happy to read them. Um, yeah, and everybody, uh, wish Lindsay a happy birthday tomorrow, Aww. February 24th, Monday. Uh-huh. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> um, and uh, subscribe, rate, and review us. If you review us, um, take a snapshot of that, send it to our email address with your uh, physical mailing address, and we will mail you some stickers. Um, if you would like to send us something weird or send Lindsay like a birthday card or something, <laughs> send it to uh, P.O. Box 2292, Georgetown, Texas, G-E-O-R-G-E-T-O-W-N 78727. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.